welcome to the Open Paddock Rallycast. This is episode 67 for October 23rd, 2019. In this show, we review the Lake Superior Performance Rally. Few know the LSPR roads like a local youper, so we called up Al Dante's Jr. Tower City Race Team to help us with an in-depth analysis of the final national championship round of the American Rally Association. This is Open Paddock, the Rallycast. Welcome back to the Rally Cast. We're super excited to review the Lake Superior Performance Rally. And with us, we have our favorite youper, Al Dantes Jr. <laughs> Al, how you doing, bud? Good evening. Doing well. Awesome, awesome. And we also added to the show um, one of our favorite photographers, Tedrick Mealy. He's joining us as well to uh, give us some insight from being out on the stages from a photographer's point of view. How you doing, Tedrick? I'm great. How are you? Yeah, we're doing great. Um, actually, I'm doing especially great because uh, I just poured myself one of my favorite regional beers, which is uh, Rogue Brewery's Hazelnut Brown Nectar, if you've had that. Oh, that's a good one. I actually have a Rogue Pumpkin Patch Ale. Oh, pumpkin? You just ruined beer. My God. Ah, <laughs> oh, come on. It's fall. You gotta do it. No, you don't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I still like it. Uh, you know, I haven't tried it. I shouldn't really judge, but just, all this pumpkin stuff kind of goes a little too far for me. <laughs> Rogue, that's it's the guy's that... beer. It's not pumpkin spice latte, okay? <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> that was on last week's show. Rogue, that's the guys that do the dead guy ale, isn't it? That is. Yep, yep they're based right on the coast here. Uh-huh, yeah, I like the dead guy, the dead guy ale. So that's 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 one we have around here for dead last but finished at uh, road rallies around here. You ah, get, like, you get the dead guy. Perfect. You get dead guy. Yeah. <laughs> so it's almost it's, it's worth coming in last actually. All right, Al. What do you <laughs> yeah, bring to the table, buddy? Price. Um, I got out in the garage, opened it up. We uh, opened up the rally fridge, and it seems somebody left me a six pack of Bean Flicker. Bean Flicker. <laughs> you have to describe what the heck that is. <laughs> It is a coffee blonde ale by Odd Side Ales. Uh, mm-hmm. I had a sip. It's pretty good. Coffee blonde. That's an interesting combo. I, I would definitely try that because I, I like dark beers, but sometimes they're like really heavy. So that sounds like a light beer, but dark. Yeah, not too bad. It's like, I think it's 4.5%, so not, not too thick. All right. All right. So you won't be like Tedrick was on uh, the show he was on last time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No guarantees. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's talk Lake Superior Performance Rally. Um, to start off with, this is my first time ever being up in the UP. And it's a little bit of a jaunt to get there. That's for sure. Um, it ain't cheap either. Man, flights to get over there are few and far between. But uh, I had no idea what I was actually going to see because when I landed at midnight, uh, it was... Uh, you know, everything was just dark, and, and you didn't know what, what was going to be around. Then the next morning, I wake up, come out of the hotel, and open, you know, open the doors and walk outside. Holy crap, man. That area is freaking unbelievably gorgeous. You you live in a pretty cool place, Al. <laughs> yeah, don't be giving away my secrets. I actually, I live, you know, right in the center of the rally, um keep my boat raid on Lake Superior all summer and our family camps uh, at least 90 days every year. Damn. So uh, <laughs> it's not my wow. chance or choice that I live here. It's uh, 
it's it's necessity. Uh, you can have the winter months, but let me tell you, <laughs> we came at just the right time, and you know, kind of starting things off, weather. The weather really was favorable this year, and just downright gorgeous. All the colors came out. The leaves were still on the tree at least the first day before the winds hit. It was just amazing, man. Yeah, we had a pretty rough week leading up to the rally. It was, it rained for like six days straight. It was cold, and then the forecast was changing steady. And and luckily, when the rally came around, it warmed up. The sun came out, and uh, we couldn't ask for better weather. Now, Ian, have you ever been up and done LSPR before? Yeah, I was up there um, three years ago. Yeah, with uh, Bill Morenich, and yeah, it is. It was. It sounds like um, the condi- conditions you had this last weekend were the same as the conditions we had three years ago, when the the, color, the colors are at their max, and uh, it's dry and sunny and beautiful. I mean, wh- while I was up there, I even had like the uh, even saw the aurora borealis while I was out one one evening. So yeah, yeah it's gorgeous country out there and uh, my wife i was showing i was showing laurie pictures that uh that were taken on uh taken during the event and she's she's going oh man we've got to go up there next year so definitely yeah if you can't uh you know if, if you're not competing at least go up there and volunteer and enjoy the sights right yeah it's, uh, it's one of those things i was so as the as the event started i was so sick that i'd run out of vacation because yeah i really do really do like it up there and uh i've got some unfinished business up there what with uh the uh the the car i was in with bill that coming off got lose losing its steering on about 200 yards into the second stage of the first day so i got unfinished business up there i've got to go up there and conquer the course and i think so tedrick it was your first time going up there as well uh yeah first time to the up at all uh and next time i need to spend at least a week <laughs> that's what i was it thinking was too incredible so weather turned out to be really good i think what was it just about i think about 55 60 degrees during the day anyways so uh pleasant during the daytime uh definitely chilled out with the winds in the evening but you know overall i you know for being that far north and being in october can't really complain too much um the other thing that was really cool to see is the fact there were 61 entries for that event um i'm I'm sure there's been times it's been higher than that but i think this you know the, the fact that everything's pretty much ara now Everybody's got one license to get. That's kind of really helped this, you know, really become where, where you know, you have more entries coming in. So uh, how's that entries-wise, Al, for uh, for that event? Um, pretty average. It was, kind of, it was kind of funny because Mike Hooper and I were going back and forth leading up to the event. Finally, we both showed our cards, and I said, well, I had, I had drafted out at 63 entries, and he said 64, so... We were pretty close, and we were guessing two months out how, what it was going to be at. But, you know, that's just taking the cross of entry fees versus numbers, and we were looking at what it was for the last eight years, and we, we got it within two with, within two entries, so that was pretty cool. Yeah, and, of course, switching over to ARA, everything's a little bit different. Um, there's a little more structure involved. You know, I remember when Oregon Trail first went to ARA, and, um, you know, there was a lot more kind of policies and procedures that need to be followed um, not a bad thing, really. Uh, you know, there's the old guys that kind of run things the same old way all the time, but now it's trying to make events more consistent. 
which is a good thing, but that first event that you have, right, under this structure, and you're used to doing it the old way, <laughs> such little things like, hmm, that LSPR sticker doesn't line up so well with the <laughs> with the door uh, the door card there, but you know just little things like that. Overall, though, it seemed like everything w- was set up okay and and no major issues, but uh, yeah, a little bit of a challenge for organizers, I'm sure. Yeah, it was actually a, a, a very uh, real POR moment for the for the LSPR organizers this year. They had. Uh, a few people that had person personal issues that they had to step down and, and the old guard had to step up and, and luckily people did step up. Otherwise it would have been a very hard event to pull off and, and to hear the compliments and see the accolades online of uh, people who said it was the best LSPR ever. Just it's like, okay, now let's, let's continue on onward and upward. So road surface, uh, first time being there. It's one thing I always like to take a look at and, a couple of varied things I noticed out there. Some of it was a little bit rocky, like your, uh, what, the Arvin Silver Road. That one got, gets pretty rough. Uh, but then we had the kind of sandy soil that almost like uh, LSPR, but a little bit more firm. I wasn't sure if it was going to run out. I guess it did later in the evening. But uh, it seemed like the water that you had previous, though, really kind of just bonded everything together more than it was making it either swampy and or dusty or anything like that yeah the bob lake stage is amazing it's it's a good thing when we don't run it twice in the same direction because i think i started 40th on the road and by the time i got there there were sections that were already 18 inches deep just rutted right up <clears throat> but then uh, later on in the rally we, we raced that one downhill which makes pretty interesting you know because all the berms are in the wrong spots and that's where uh, Higgins had trouble and a couple other teams, you know, ra- racing a, a stage downhill that you had previously raced uphill. As far as Arvon, uh, yeah, we call that pit run gravel. <laughs> much, they just take the gravel right out of the pit, dump it down, and, you know, it's potato size, and large potato size. And it doesn't compact in, and it's always, every time you go over it, you're kicking up new rocks, and it's just some of the most miserable gravel in all the world. But it it certainly, you know, gives the variety to the to the entire event. You have Sandy, you have Fast, you have, you know, and then you have the Arvon and Herman with all the bedrock. So, a little bit of everything. So, was that a new thing this year, then, with uh, Bob Lake running it in uh, both directions? Oh. Uh, we did that as well last year. All um, right. Uh-huh. The course this year was was exactly the same as last year. Well, that made it a little bit easier for folks uh, that maybe got there a little late uh, to do recce and whatnot. Um, yeah, that's another thing that's a little bit different. Is everybody's got trackers on their cars, and uh, you you, you got to pay attention to your speed limit because they're watching. Yeah, I ended up getting uh, a penalty with that, and it was totally unexpected. Um, there was quite a few people that got got hit with recce penalties, but I, I still to this moment, I don't know if it was thirty mile an hour or thirty five miles an hour, and uh, somebody got a hold of me, and they're like, "Yeah, you just you have too many blips of going over and of ten over and fifteen over, but if that's doing forty down a half mile straight stretch, it's like okay, but." So now I am officially on probation for a year for for going 40th in the woods. But 
didn't have a, a time penalty or a monetary penalty, so I'm not going to complain, and I'm going to watch my speed in the woods. <laughs> Uh, very good, very good. Actually, and a correction from actually the last show where we were talking about uh, the recce speeds that they have in the WRC. I guess the standard they have is that 80 kilometers per hour. I think, is that what it was, Ian? They said 80? And that that is the standard. 80. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they, no matter what, are allowed to go 80 kilometers per hour per hour on, uh, well, there's sometimes, I think, a limitation, but their standard is to go to 80 kilometers per hour. But that would be nice. Uh, a little bit faster <laughs> what we can go, but, you know, so be it, so be it. So Friday stages, that is the fast stuff. You were talking about uh, Bob Lake. That's the one that was run that night. Um, a little bit different rally out there because very late start on Friday and an extremely late finish. So you do <laughs> two stages about an hour from the uh, uh, the ceremonial start area, I guess, you could say, you know, from, from being up north. And then you got you do two stages, service, four stages, service, then two more stages, and only what three are in daylight approximately? Um, yeah, for most of the field, it's only those first two. It's getting dark when you leave service, <clears throat> but yeah, you start out with Bob Lake, which is about seven miles long, and it's a little bit more technical. There's a hill in the middle um, that gets sandy and rocky and. You don't see it in recce because you can't predict how rutted it's going to get. Um, so you finish that, and then you drive literally across the highway, and then you have a six-and-a-half-mile race through Estes Lake. Now, Estes Lake is uh, relatively new for LSPR, but it's it's quickly after the videos last year of Hooper. I was going to say, the Hooper the jump? <laughs> yeah. Now it turns out that everybody wanted to do a Hooper jump there this year, and it was it was the place to be. There were so many catastrophes there. Um, I know Paul Johansson broke there, and then uh, uh, Jay Sharps in the Honda HPD fit. He shot over the hill and rolled it down the hill, and <laughs> a little. And then you know Santiago Iglesias, he overshot it trying to trying to pull a Hooper. So yeah, now he everybody backed it in. Yeah, and had to get going again. Sharps, I talked to him, and he was talking about. So he rolled it. They ended back on their wheels. The car actually was okay, a little beat up, and they tried to get going. But the you know front wheel drive little fit was high centered, and they just couldn't get going. They had to get yanked to get going again. Unfortunate, but <laughs> yeah, that's that's a sketchy spot. I saw because you got Tedrick. I think you were gonna take you took some shots from there because that's when it's crest, 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 big crest, and yeah. then ninety left. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I actually wrecked that spot. And, and then shot there. And I I looked at it and was like, oh, man, there's no way people are going to jump this. Like, that's so sketchy. Like, they're, they're going to take, they're all going to take it easy. Why, I don't even know if I want to shoot here. I'm glad I went. <laughs> <laughs> so, did, yeah, so on that first one in the daylight, did you, yeah, go, go ahead. I was going to say, did, did you, uh, did you push it on that first run? Well, of course it was, it was my first, uh, time running the stage with the LS, so I wanted to stretch the legs on it as much as possible, but I I still haven't mounted the speedometer in the car, but I know once I hit the top of third gear, it's 110, and I hit hit the, you know, the rev limiter at 110 coming into that jump, and it's like, nope, break check. Oh, <laughs> gosh. <laughs> uh, I guess for those that don't know, because we haven't had you on the show for a little bit, and uh, not since you did to the conversion, so... Uh, yeah, so you did a full LS swap on Rexine, so Rexine's no longer so much the X of a <laughs> RX7. 
Yeah, it was. Uh, we've been having a, a really good year. Um, started out with the Maji. That was our first point scoring event of the year. Then I made it down to 100 Acre Wood for Missouri, and um, that's actually what expired my first rotary. And then I got another one together, uh, had it shipped up from Florida, and we did Southern Ohio, and then we started Central UP Rally, and I figured the car was finally perfect, and one mile into the event, um, blew another rotary. So that was like June 20th. I said, well... I, I didn't know anything about LS swaps or et cetera. So I just sat down and read nonstop for like 10 days. And then I scraped together the funds and another 10 days later, I had everything collected. And 10 days later, I was at Ojibwe rally with a fully LS swap car. I think it was uh, 28 days total from when I blew it up to when I had, you know, the whole conversion done showed up at Ojibwe Ended up breaking the shift cable, some other stuff, but relatively unscathed. We finished, I think, fifth national two-wheel drive. But <laughs> the heartbreaker was was if I had entered regionally, I think I would have won by, like, 45 seconds. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like, uh-huh. oh, man. So I was trying to hard explain to everybody. It's like, yeah, I got fifth national, but, you know, it would have been first regional. Yep. So when I went to do this event, it's like, okay, I'm not racing against Seamus and Hooper and Brian Booth and all those. So I, I stepped back and entered regional, explained it to everybody. And and obviously with doing all the events <laughs> this year, uh, the points race is chase, chasing out pretty good. Um, so we entered the regional and um, now we got the shift cable back together. Uh, switched out some axles, but I still I'm still running an automatic transmission in the car. Oh, just because of the the expense of of swapping the entire thing, you know, the extra twenty five hundred dollars for a six speed. It's like okay, you know, everybody always wonders how an automatic would do with rally. Well, I tested it at Ojibwe and I ch- tested it at LSPR, and I'm ready to put a six speed in the car. <laughs> <laughs> You just don't have the predictability, you know, with a six-speed or a manual tranny. You can do engine braking and clutch kicking, and with an automatic, I just mash the gas and mash the brakes and alternate sometimes and hold on to the steering wheel. (laughs) So how does it feel, then, on a stage like Estes Lake, which is really fast, lots of crest, whatnot, because now you got a lot more iron in the front? The weight's not too bad. Um, Everybody thought I would be underweight because the chassis is so light. <clears throat> but at Ojibwe, they, they weighed me, and I was actually 300 pounds over the minimum. So, but it worked out. I think it was 48 to 52% balance, and that was without us in the car. So it works out good there, but um, I haven't put gauges in the car yet. <laughs> and the car is so loud that do you really know the difference between 4,800 RPM and... 6200 rpm and that's (laughs) the difference between 80 and 110 so once it gets up in there and you're screaming along through the woods it's like okay just hold her to the rugs and you know or you have brakes left (laughs) awesome (laughs) which which i have upgraded the brakes it's like well if you're gonna go fast you gotta slow down fast yeah right exactly so i'm glad it's not such a weight issue and i guess same is true with uh you know pat mar was out there with his LS, the engine that's in the, uh, 
in that Sonic, and you know it's actually lighter than when it was, you know, a uh, rally cross car because it doesn't have all that crazy coolant systems and giant turbos and stuff like that. And he has to add weight though, with being in the class he's in in the open class uh, to meet the requirements. And uh, he thinks that maybe it's a little too much, but yeah, because uh, then that obviously affects braking and all those other things that uh, go along with that extra weight, but. So and far, it's been free. reliable for him, though, on the motor side. I've been watching uh, YouTube videos because right now um, it's looking like the Maji is going to be a, sh- uh, a battle of the two RX-7s. <clears throat> and Kevin Schmidt has a naturally aspirated RX-7. I think he said he's 2,550 pounds, and I'm 3,150 pounds. So there's a 600-pound weight difference there between two cars that were built the same year. <laughs> wow. I was looking at it and I'm like, I have no idea where I'm supposed to cut all this weight. You know, so it's that's where it's fun to analyze videos. <laughs> uh let's see here. Let's get back to talking about Friday stages. So you're right, the the first two stages were what, Bob Lake going up the hill, then it's the uh doing the Estes Lake, uh which only ran in the in the same direction both times it was run. Um what very first stage, very first run <laughs> Ryan Booth blows his uh, turbo on on that little uh, R2. So he's out. You make it to... I think no real major issues for anybody else on that first couple of stages. I think everybody made that first service pretty well. But then it was Cam Steely when everybody was having wanting to have so much fun. I guess TP Tower, is that what it's called? Yeah. yeah. That next stage. And everybody was all excited about that one because it's a real fun one. And all of a sudden, pop goes the Subaru. Uh, ends up having a little bit of engine fire. Uh, they get it put out thanks to actually Pat Morrow pulling over and uh, him and Ollie Holter uh, helping with their fire extinguishers to get that fire under the hood out. And uh, yeah, that ended up having to cause a red cross just because didn't want stuff to burn, which is the right thing to do. But you guys had to all transit through before you could uh, head on to the next one, right? Yeah, that was horrible. It was a 15 mile stage and you had to transit at, you know, 30 miles an hour. So that's a half an hour of transit, even in the rally car once you're moving. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, we still no, managed don't. to scare some spectators and rally marshals because I, you still got to flick it when you're on transit. You're still only doing 30, but they yeah. get a little spooked when they yeah, see like You, you got to give <laughs> spectators a little bit of a show, aren't you? They're there to see things. Uh... There's always got to be that one guy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then, of course, by then, like you said, it took a while to get out of there. Then it's full dark, um, and you start running that uh, Bob Lake uphill, or downhill, and then uh, heading on over to... Wait, no, there's another one before that. What's the stage after TP Tower? Far Point. That's it. And that's another one where it's, I think it's .6 miles between the controls. You drive across the highway, and then there's another stage there. So the, there's times when you get done with TP Tower, your brakes are on fire, your car's overheating, and then they're like, okay, now let's cool it down on the highway, and nope, there's the next stage. <laughs> Tedrick, in that first loop of stuff, where were you stationed at? Oh, I was at the uh, spectator point uh, on that first loop. Um, and then... Uh, I actually went into service and found out um, Amanda Skelly, who I was uh, shooting some photos for there, um, and trying to meet them at service, 
Uh, her gearbox had broken and gotten stuck in gear, so um, I waited for them to get back. Missed the second loop of stages, which was totally fine, because I got to go out right after the first running of Farpoint, and I got to just sit in the woods by myself, watching the stars go by, shooting star photos, and then uh, shooting the cars as they went underneath that afterwards. Didn't get much better than that. I would say that's a good compensation for the fact that you uh, weren't able to get out on on the stage. But uh, yeah, that that spectator, I was trying to get there. And as we were transiting down, then apparently um, your your state or county workers decided it was a good day to do road construction and block off uh, a large section for 20 minutes at a time. And yeah, we just missed basically the car starting. And so we just hightailed it as fast as we could to the finish of Estes uh, so we could, uh, you know, get some interviews real quick there. But, yeah, freaking construction. Come on. There's a rally going on. Leave us alone. <laughs> of course, you guys that were racing, you didn't have to worry about it because you came in, you, you turned before the construction started. So I uh, got to run that uh, Bob Lake so you didn't have to deal with it. But um, let's see here. What other dramas can we talk about from the Friday night stuff? Let's see here. We had... Uh, Nathan Mariana Usher, they had a big role mm-hmm. yeah, in the night. Nice that, that, that car is pretty much done from what I hear. Yeah, I hear that's total too. So uh, they've had that car a long time. Apparently they've had that car a fair, fair, fair amount of time as well. I think it's been with them since the start. I'm not sure. Uh, so you're, you're talking about uh, Santiago before. He uh, was doing great right up until the last loop of the night gets what i think 300 yards you know the first turn basically into the uh i think it's tp tower at that point uh when the rerunning of that goes to turn left and like the right rear it is it just like folded under it just the 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 tire just was off the rim so he does a left turn and the car just goes sideways into the trees stuck done so That was kind of creepy because at at night you you start that stage and it's like a 300 yard straight stretch and then a a jump over the top and then a left four and that's where he was was about 15 feet down in the ditch on that left four and it's like I don't know maybe he just pushed it a little too hard or but yeah watching the video it looks like he had a tire failure yeah total bummer because it just yeah he was doing really good. Then again, he made up for it because he pushed the rest of the weekend and uh, was able to come back in the position he was hoping for. So, uh, so here was that we had. Uh, actually, one of the more interesting things that happened over the weekend was uh, Steve uh, Gingras, uh, or how, how do I pronounce his last name? I always mess it up. <clears throat> he actually corrected me recently. Somebody must have said I was saying it wrong, but I always said Gingras, and he goes, Al, it's Gingras. Okay, it's Gingras. Okay, then. So Steve Jingris, uh, his daughter, Katie, who was co-driving for him, right at the start, no voice. <laughs> That's rough. That's especially when you got so many night stages. Oh, I can't imagine that. That Wow. That's a challenge. Yeah, you, you know, I have my nightmares before before events. You know, this this should be one of them, shouldn't it? Yes, yeah, losing my yes, voice. it should. I'm losing my voice on stage, but uh, I, I feel for him and I, I've. I've you know I've had problems with my voice on dusty stages in the middle of the stage, but you know that's that's the dust. You can get to the end of the stage and you can take a glass, a bottle of water, have a drink of water, and you you're fine again. But to like lose your voice at the start of the event, yeah, that would be a 
a great nightmare for um, or a bad dream for my uh, rally preparation. I just hope it doesn't happen for Nemaji. But now I've got it in my brain. It probably will. <laughs> and and it wasn't even that she had a squeaky voice. She had nothing. There was nothing left. But uh, yeah, uh, they had invited our entire team up to Michigan Tech on Wednesday night. They had a we did a little seminar for um, the Michigan Tech students and explained rally to them. Oh, it's, cool! It's, it's been a very very uh, influential uh, little seminar we do it every year. It gets Michigan Tech students out, gets them volunteering, gets them working with the service crews, everything. <clears throat> and last year, I heard they had three students show up. <laughs> so this year, we did our best using our team page and et cetera, and we got the word out there. And um, I had Joel Crumbach co-driving for me this year, and we, we ended up showing up late. We're, <laughs> we're about 10 minutes late, and... We went to run in and we're like, oh, we got stopped at the door and we looked in and it looked like they already had a seminar uh, wrapping up because there was about 100, 150 people in there. And they said, no, no, we're waiting for you. Oh, whoa. Sweet. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. Packed house. And we got to uh, tell rally stories for two hours, which, you know, you know give me two hours, I'll, I'll tell you most of them. <laughs> <laughs> that happened this year. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's right. that's a funny one with Joel was um, he actually took a train to the rally from Montana. So he left on like Monday and didn't arrive till Wednesday uh, early in the morning. He actually showed up at the Night Owl Cafe in downtown Launce. And they're like, uh, yeah, we think we have one down here. Belongs to you. So, wow, like 150 people in there. That's really cool. So uh, did they seem like they were enthused about this uh, form of motorsport? Oh, of course. Uh, we had Adam Van Dam and Jake Carlson and uh, both the Jingresses in there and Eric Carlson. And when we're all said and done, uh, Steve looks at me and he goes, well, I don't know who had more fun, the kids or us. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way but you want it. Awesome. The, the, the fun thing with that is is we get to talk to all the students. And I did it once uh, five years ago. <clears throat> and it's pretty cool because they'll, they'll check in with you throughout the event and you don't remember their faces or, or their stories or whatever, but they'll come up to you, they'll find you at service or they'll find you at the finish and, you know, it's it's cool. It works, you know. You put kids in a room, you tell them rally stories, they want more. So, Very cool event. That's really cool. Really, really cool. Well, uh, so he had a deal with, yeah, with that, uh, and I think it was a new build, too, in his NA four-wheel drive car. So, um I think he just said he, you know, a couple of quirks to figure out on it because it was a new build. But uh, other than that, uh, they were having a pretty good event uh, continuing on. And so here, I guess at the front of the field, you had the big drama with David Higgins. Uh, you talked earlier about uh, how you ended up having an off. Well, he was, he, he, the gloves were off, right? So this event, he had already won the championship, his 10th, his 8th with Craig Drew. And obviously all the attention's been on Oliver Solberg. So this is the one he can just do whatever the hell he wants. So he won those first four stages rather handily. He was quick right from the beginning, quick like a bunny. But then gets in that stage five, and I guess he says that the engine cut out as he was going into uh, like a left three or something like that. And as the car was sliding, when the engine cuts like that, the braking didn't work right. And so he had to pull the handbrake, try and save it, and it went into runoff area, 
that then had a big stump in there and uh, that took out his entire front right wheel. So uh, he was definitely trying to show that he still had the pace. It wasn't Oliver only the one being really fast out there, but uh, that kind of ended his challenge right there, unfortunately. So kind of bummer for him, but I wonder if that uh, slows down guys like you, Al, when you're uh, driving around by and you see uh, here's the, you know, the uh, triangles up and you see it's one of the Subaru cars. Well, it's, it's one of the, the things that the, the newer competitors to Bob Lake have the, the luck of. They have the ignorance that they don't know that those stumps are there. But when I first started doing LSPR in 2012, that was all clear cut. And you could see these six foot tall stumps or four foot tall stumps. And they're probably two foot diameter, three foot diameter. And they're right on the road edge. But now within the last few years, the, the underbrush has grown so high that you can't see them. So, yeah, you might think you're pulling off into an in, in innocent corner until, boom, you're done. You know, you just smoked a, a huge tree that's or a tr- huge stump that you never knew was there. But that's actually one of uh, Kiana's first wrecks was on Bob Lake. She hit one of those and barrel rolled. But, yeah, <laughs> it's one of those things you'd rather not know they're there, but it also pays to know they're there to keep it a little bit tidier. Ah, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, so uh, don't go wide because uh, <laughs> there's stuff hiding <laughs> that'll, that'll bite you for sure. You know, on Recky, it's one of the things I noticed too is that, you know, there weren't a lot of big rocks out there on stages like that. Uh, but if you got off the line, you know, you know, it's like you wanted to cut. What rocks there were were big and they were sharp. I've got horror stories on Farpoint because the last three miles of it every year would take one of my tires. So this year during recce, I was, I was purposely looking to see where the rocks were. And it was like pretty much the whole last three miles. If you got offline, you were done. And that's actually what ended up costing my brother his rally. It was his first LSPR and he was two miles from the finish on Friday night. So that means he had 78 stage miles in for the day, got a little loose and, got one of those watermelons in the front right, and it pretty much tore up his whole entire car, and it was done for the event. It wasn't repairable for the next day. So he's he's actually still kind of bummed out about it, and it's what, been five days since the event. <laughs> I'm just trying to explain to him that's part of rally. You get a little loose, and mm-hmm. it doesn't make you a bad driver. You just got, got a little loose. It's 1 a.m. You've been up for three days or four days. <laughs> you hit one rock. It's just the way rally works. Indeed. And uh, now you had some specific excitement on those night stages because I believe there was some deer dodging. (laughs) Well, it's like I say, everybody was trying to do their hooper turn on on the Estes Spectator. And uh, I I just read about it a little bit ago of how Susie Little had a hard time getting the, the triangles out and all that. So there was a marshal on top of the hill waving us down when we got to that spot, which kind of stinks because I know it's probably not something real too bad on the other side, but I hit the lip at, a, you know, 40, 50 miles an hour. And I came over and sure enough, there's a car stuck in the middle of the corner and I blast away from there. Well, there's a half a mile straight stretch after that corner and it yeah. goes into a light three. So I'm blasting down that half mile straight stretch doing about a hundred miles an hour. And at like a 220 pound buck steps out on the left side and he decides Whoa. to cross. Whoa. And I'm like, you know, everything goes into slow motion. I'm like, well, this is how it ends, I guess. 
and my co-driver Joel, he braces for impact, and I just jack the brakes just enough, and you're going that fast, you don't dare touch the steering wheel because that's when things go really bad. So just straight as an arrow and jack the brakes and just barely missed it with the front right. The deer crossed, and, uh, yeah, accelerated into the right three, and away we went. <laughs> I don't, you know... Uh, Rally's exciting and 110 through the woods is exciting, but doing it with deer in your path, that's a whole nother level. <laughs> so next upgrade is to add Depends undergarments to your uh, race suit. <laughs> that was, and we didn't have any in cars, so just, no one's ever going to see it, but oh, uh, man. lights and everything, and I, I swear I could count the fat rolls on that deer's neck. It was so big. Jeez. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Oh man! Well, that's definitely exciting, and and, and glad that you got, came out of it. Okay, jeez, that's yeah. I, I wouldn't even know it. I mean, I've I've seen, I've had close enough calls in, in a regular car going, you know, just forty five, thirty five, even, you know, with deer that come out, but hundred miles an hour through the woods whew, on, on a loose surface. No, thank you. <laughs> Funny thing is, is, Joel's from Atlanta, Michigan, and snowdrift. And his claim to fame early on in his rally career was he was the one who made the cartoon deer for Pastrana and put it along the side of the stage the year after Pastrana hit the deer. So he's like, yeah, that's just Pastrana's karma coming back to me. <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> but yeah, there's a an old picture from years ago of a, um, a full life-size deer on cardboard in Subaru colors. And Joel, Joel, co-driver was the one who had done it. That's classic. Love it. So Friday night, yeah, uh, definitely some carnage out there. Got really cold for the crews. And for those crews that had to stay up and work on cars, I mean, the last stage, first car, expected first car into service, I think was 11.43 p.m., or something like that. So that's that's some seriously late night going on for every team, especially when you got sixty entries. Yeah, and we had that red cross which extended everything out. That's right. So that added another fifteen twenty minutes on top of it. So yeah, uh, no chance to really regroup that together at that point. So ugh, the the crews definitely uh, hats off to them for doing what they did. Um, I was kind of just walking around the service park, kind of seeing how folks were doing. Was really impressed actually watching uh, McKenna's crew working on Ryan Booth's car, because did you know that the the R2 is a three-cylinder, one-liter motor? Yes. <laughs> and that thing is <laughs> tiny. Yep, it's got. The, it doesn't have the footprint of like a letter-sized sheet of paper or something like that. <laughs> yeah, isn't isn't that the engine that they brought to a car show in someone's luggage? Uh, really? <laughs> uh, it feels it that way. On it? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so I was seeing the guys doing the engine swap. Uh, you know, the, the the new one, you know, versus the old one, and uh, I think they suspected that what happened was the old one after the rollover that they had at STPR, it just sat upside down for too long, and you know, just yeah, stuff wasn't right. Um, anyway, but seeing them just moving the stuff from the old motor over to the new motor just to kind of you know bolt on all the intakes and all that stuff and wow uh that it, it, it is very very compact and to see how fast he can be in that thing 
and it's just a one liter motor, three cylinders. Uh, wow. <laughs> That's an impressive little piece of machinery. And, uh, and a, and a yeah. very, very talented driver. He's an amazing driver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how, how that goes over time. Unfortunately, you know, his, you know, his number of penalties that he had, uh, wasn't going to help him for this event, but he's definitely shown when he is on the stage that uh, he, he's doing pretty well. Um, <laughs> any other, I guess, observations and, and things from uh, Friday night, guys? Yeah, well, Al, I'm guessing you're thinking, have, having dodged that that deer, you must be thinking, well, this is my race. This is my, <laughs> this is, this is, this is going to be my event. How, how was, how was Friday, Friday as a whole for you? It was actually um, two sides to it. It was it was really bittersweet because on that second running of Bob Lake down, I got to see Adam Van Dam and Jake on the side of the stage again. He ended up having a catastrophic transmission failure, mm-hmm. which is never good to see with your teammate. No. And then um, we ended up burning up all of our tires. I was still using the tires that Seamus had given me last year. We burned those up, um, so I kind of, in a panic, ran around, and uh, Peter Fatella had some tires for sale, and I was running around to see what else was for sale, and I went over to the number one car and talked with uh, the man himself, Mr. Buffum, and he says, we got some tires in the back. You can use them, but you have to give us the wheels back. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> ran back How to my cool third spot. Yeah, not for a second did I think I was going to get anything, any decent tire, but I knew I had to get something. And, uh, yeah, so we got four tires, ran back to our service spots and loaded them in the truck, and we're like, okay, we're ready to go for day two. And I looked around and noticed my brother wasn't there. And like I said, it was his first rally, so he was starting a little bit farther back in the pack. And we waited and we waited, and <clears throat> I got, actually got a text from Wisconsin uh his co-driver's girlfriend texted and said uh marty says he's on the side of the road they crashed they're fine but you got to come get him okay (laughs) so we already had my car loaded up we're all ready to leave and uh j john wickens the service crew our service manager he came over gave us a map to where he was and by then it's already 1 30 in the morning and we head out in the woods go rescue my brother and sure enough, we found them in the service, uh, not service, the sweep guys were pulling them down the road and both right side tires torn off, control arms torn off, and they were dragging them two or three miles an hour for three miles. And so we relieved them of their duties. We took my car off the trailer, uh, gave it keys to my crew chief, told him to drive it home. Um, and then we did some little youper tricks and a couple straps and a couple diesel pickup trucks and uh, using the floor jack, we were able to drag the car up on the trailer. Got all that squared away, and I think we got back to my house at 3 in the morning, and we had Higgins' tires in tow. So I had to find a tire guy at 3 in the morning to switch out the tires to give them their wheels back because <laughs> that was part of the deal, and I wasn't going to mm-hmm. break a deal with Mr. Buffum. Um, so we got those switched out, and it was real nice. My wife, uh, Jamie, she had cooked dinner for everybody at three in the morning. So we had a nice smorgasbord of dinner in the garage and we got here and Adam Van Dam had already pulled the transmission out of his car 
And his spare transmission was two and a half hours away. So he drove all the way home, got his transmission out of the rabbit barn. And So, so what hour are we talking about about now? <laughs> By then we're up to about 4 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> this, thing, this thing's a freaking marathon, man. Carry on, carry on. And we disassembled all my suspension. We actually switched out the springs because I had a really good brain fart. And we lifted the entire car, the RX-7, we lifted it up three or four inches because we knew the Arvon rocks were coming the next day. And then we left it on jack stands because we were going to have to wait for tires. And our tires showed up at 8.30 in the morning. Um, I was able to get a few hours of sleep. And I came outside and Adam was wrapping up his transmission swap. So we gave each other high fives as we finished our final prep. And then I heard him swear very loudly. And they came back into the garage to find out there's a special rod that goes through a transmission, and he had forgot to install it. Oh. oh. So at, at 8.30 in the morning, with Park Expose starting at 9, he had to take his transmission back out. So, long story short, he made it. He made it to Park Expose without penalty. Um, and it wow. Find, find wow. Out that he pulled the transmission back out, and the rod was in there. And so then he was completely dumbfounded and realized that it was actually the cable had fallen off the clutch pedal inside the car. <laughs> so he just, just had to put the cable back on, put the tranny back in, and he was good to go. But, uh, yeah, so we had an eventful night. And, and sadly for my brother, he was he had done an engine swap at Adams earlier in the week. And. Uh, four days with no sleep and getting back to the house at 4 a.m. He just, he was done fighting and he needed sleep and, uh, his crew and his co-driver and they, they got a good night's sleep and weren't able to make, uh, the next day's park expose. So that's how their rally ended. What was your brother driving? Um, my brother is Elwood Nimi Jr. And he had a 1985 Volkswagen GTI. Okay. Uh, so in the GTI. Great, great yeah. one. Well, I mean, it's like you can't make some of this stuff up, all, all the adventures you had. I mean, on, honestly, you should be a reality TV series at an event. <laughs> Every no, rally honestly, should we, be. We, we should have a reality TV series at a rally. We can, set, we can set, center it on Al, and uh, everything seems to happen around that. And uh, there we go. I mean, I'll tell you what. Let's email Amazon or somebody like that right now. They need, they need the view, viewing figures. Well, I didn't even tell you I had Kevin Binkley staying at the house all week, too. <laughs> oh, well, there's an adventure right there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kevin's a good character. I like him. Fun guy. Yeah. Equally, uh, not a lot of sleep for uh, media guys. Uh, what time did you get in, uh, Tedrick? I believe I actually caught up with them towing uh, Adam off stage, uh, And then I had another hour and a half back to the house i was staying at so that was that was a good 2 30 in the morning and then i had to start loading photos um and then fell asleep sometime after three and got woken up as the team's all getting ready and i looked at my watch and i it's about 8 20 and i said hey what's our out time and they said 8 30 and i was like oh <laughs> <laughs> jump out of bed and get ready to go <laughs> Yeah, it sounds about right. Um, that's really cool, though. Uh, so Park Expo, it's downtown Launce, and right there on the waterfront, cars all stacked up, and uh, it looks like a pretty good crowd, even for that early in the morning. It's a little breezy, but 
a good uh, group of people came out to see you all sitting out there. It's a very cool location to have a uh, park expose on the lakefront. They're kind of like, um, kind of like service at Wales Rally GB along the seafront there in Tlandidno, but but not. Yeah, I think I would agree with that for sure. Um, so was it? We most everybody was kind of back out there, uh, got their stuff repaired that could, anyways. Um, like I said, there's there a few that were out, but then we get into the very first stage of the day. What is it? Uh, starts about. Nine thirty, no ten, I think. About ten o'clock, uh, you guys head out to uh, Arvin Silver, and like you were saying before, that's one of the big rocks on it. Has some really big puddles on it uh, to go through water splashes. And I grab Drew, um, uh, who's the one that kind of accompanies Tiffany with a lot of the video stuff, and uh, I'm like, dude, if there's a stage we need to get stage end, you know, uh, stuff from, it's this one. Come on, let's go. And so we race on to uh, get to the end of stage, get to stage end interviews on that. And sure enough, drama. <laughs> Jeez. Very first running of that stage, and nobody took it lightly. Uh, they, they they definitely beat up their cars on it. Uh, right away, we talked with Oliver Solberg first on the road. He had spun his car because of an incorrect note he had at that spectator area. Now, I didn't recce this stage, but apparently... Wherever the spectators are and, and the way the road goes, um, I think they thought it went right where it's supposed to go left or something like that. And by the time Oliver goes in super hot, right, he's flying and he realizes that's not the right way because he's banner tape, <laughs> uh, gets on the handbrake, half spins the car, just cooks it. Apparently there were uh, several, he didn't see it, but there were uh, several um, road marshals that were in the road uh that had to dodge out of the way you know lost a few seconds there but uh and not more than a couple cars later we see hooper scraping his way along and he had lost what the right rear of his car the uh, suspension i get the bilstein suspension the the actual suspension rod the uh, uh on it sheared completely yeah wow um but two cars after him, here comes uh, Matt Dickinson, the El Diablo team. His car is crabbing. I mean, it's literally, he's trying to drive straight, and, and, and the car is, like, <laughs> driving half sideways, you know, towards us down the road because he broke his right rear. Um, the tire was both, you know, turned in and tilted and not doing so well on the right rear. So he broke a suspension arm on his car as well. Let's see, was it uh, Ryan Booth, who was finally back in it? He's like, okay, new motor, let's go. He went off, and unfortunately, it just happened to be a sloppy, muddy spot. Gets the car high-centered. Uh, doesn't get going any farther. Was I heard about multiple people losing exhaust components on that stage? <laughs> um, what didn't happen on Arvin is the better <laughs> question, I think. Well, I I just want to ask because if I remember right from Recky, uh, so we had all these problems with cars by the time they got to the spectator area, but the spec at that point the stage hadn't even got rough yet. Because uh, yeah, it's... I caught up with uh, uh, Seamus Burke at the end of that stage on Recky, and he uh, was having some transmission issues, and I had found the under tray to his rental car out on stage. <laughs> Yeah, I think the best way you could describe it was um, 
There were sections where it looked like two logging trucks and a skitter got stuck in the middle of the stage road and had just dug ruts uh, <laughs> all the way down to the bedrock. If, if you stayed in the ruts, you would rip your car in half. And that's what some people did. <laughs> wow. Brutal. So it, it's actually goes against everything you learn in rally, especially for us guys a little bit farther back in the pack. We, we're instructed to stay in the ruts. You know, because if you get out of the ruts, you're going to get on the wrong side of the road and it'll shoot you off into the trees. But that that road, you had to straddle the ruts. You had to pick your lines through the mud puddles. And it was there was some very massive boulders hiding out there. And if you got a little greedy, you paid for it. Yeah, one of them right right where you would want to place your tire coming up over a crest from a turn, I remember, was uh, just... Sticking up so high in the road, someone had just decided to spray paint it red. <laughs> yep. Yeah, there was two bedrocks out there. One was directly in the center of the stage road. And I think Kevin Binkley said he measured it, and it was eight inches tall and 19 inches around. Holy <laughs> And And it was paint. Luckily, it was painted orange. But if that sucker wasn't painted, it would have took out probably 20 cars. Damn, that's brutal. That is completely brutal. So so did the uh, extra couple of inches uh, that you ended up doing in your car help out a lot? It did. I I drove smart, but I'm, I'm pretty darn sure if I hadn't done that, we would have been out immediately, especially with the LS and the automatic transmission. That means I have two oil pans under the car and then a, a dual exhaust with an X-pipe. I'm pretty sure that would have been ripped off. We did the Arvon. We were ecstatic to finish. Uh, followed El Diablo a little bit for on transit while they were crabbing down the road. Got up to Herman stage, which I always say is my favorite stage. I was just going to say, the- so that, that Herman stage, uh, I was that's when I didn't get to recce, and I don't know if you got out there to it, uh, Tedrick, but I remember just talking to Doug Shepard. You know, he's the you know the series director, and he's like, he was like, ah. Oh, Next time you come here, you got it. You got to wrecky that one. He's like, you know, he's like giving me like these visuals and he's like, you know, you get it, you get it just right. And he's like all hands crossed up, you know, like the car is live. <laughs> then you go this way, then you go that way. It's like, oh, it's so much fun coming from the, you know, old 70 year old there, you know, getting all excited. <laughs> so Herman sounds like it's a pretty damn cool stage if it's not too rough. Oh, yeah. My notes for that stage for uh, shooting locations are are pretty long. I'm going to have to find a time to make it out on that one, too. Yeah, there's a couple um, right four minuses over crest that I take as a six. O-drivers get a little upset when I do it, but if you hit it just right, (laughs) you can land on the backside and totally ignore the corner. (laughs) Nice. That sounds hella fun. We got up there after Arvon and uh, pretty happy to make it there. Car was good. Car was still tracking straight. And we get up there, and one of my buddies, he lives right at the stage start. So he comes over. He's jabbering at us. We're having a good time. And I get up to the start line, and uh, the start line control goes, uh, you do know you have a flat tire, right? I'm like, no. They're like, yeah, your front right's flat. I'm like, oh, Ugh. front tire, too. Oh, no. Even worse. I'm like, is it flat, flat? He's like, it's flat. I'm like, is it on the bead? And not really. I'm like, oh, great. And you can't change it in the control. Nope. And the stage is seven and a half miles long. And it was probably the the worst judgment call I ever made. And I'm like, well, we'll see how long it stays on. So I took the start with a flat tire off the beat. 
in the, the first corner is a, a right four plus and everything goes great there and then it's a left three minus and the whole car just sinks dives and almost flips it's like oh crap so got out and I stuffed the car into the ditch now i'm in a muddy ditch trying to change a tire co-driver has to run down the road with triangles now i'm missing a helper and uh, it ended us up costing us seven minutes on a hot stage whereas up to that point we had a clean rally and Lost seven minutes doing that and um, got back in, got belted up and drove angry. It's like, actually, that's what Tower City is named after is Herman because all up on that mountain is nothing but towers. So that, that road, I've driven it a thousand times and I didn't even plug in the intercom because I was so angry at myself. So we drove that stage flat out and we got to the Herman jump, which is halfway, I think it's four and a half miles. And I just downshifted and stood on it and hit the lip at about 75 landed really really hard on the nose and made the left three and hammered down the stage a little bit more and then about a mile from the finish there's a a beaver dam that they had busted so the road was flooded and hit that at about 100 miles an hour and (laughs) got to the finish and like aquaplaned across it huh yeah made a really good picture with co-drivers over there mumbling and stumbling and high-fiving and i reached down and plugged my intercom in and i said what he goes, you just did that with no comps? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nice. that was horrible. Kind of screwed up our, our chase, but that's Herman. We had fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that, that's definitely a hell, hell of a stage there. Um, I think it was that one that uh, Pat Morrow was telling me about, that uh, he ended up hit, getting hit with. He's not sure what, but some sort of rock punctured his radiator and ended his rally early, unfortunately, on that one. Um, other than that, he was actually had a pretty good weekend with that car. And uh, it's been fun to see that Sonic out there. The You and him with the LSs. It's uh, been been fun to hear that uh, those cars out there. Uh, they definitely make some sweet music when you're out there on the stages. But Higgins, he turned in early after that first service. He went out and then turned around and came back in I think it was after the second running of Arvin. Uh, so I think whatever broke in the front right that he tore off on the previous day, uh, something was wrong with, I guess, the rest of the drivetrain after that. And it just wasn't right. But uh, I think one of the most interesting things that I saw was in service, hanging around Barry McKenna's, McKenna's uh, set up there. And uh, they had to do a transmission change, which takes 45 minutes to happen. But it's a 35-minute service. So they're trying to figure out, okay, how much time do we got? How much penalty are we going to get to still try and stay ahead of Fatella? And Lagerman, they didn't realize, had an issue at that point. So they're, like, really trying to go through all the math. And, you know, co-driver Andy's, like, going through all this stuff. Like, man, okay. Uh, Okay, it's 10 seconds. uh, or or, Yeah, it's 10 seconds per minute that you're over uh, with the service, right? Up to a maximum mm-hmm. of 30 minutes you can be over. Yeah. And, yeah, just kind of going through all that math to try and figure out, okay, let's see if we do this. So it turns out they actually lost a wastegate pipe that had actually melted all the way through the power steering system, too. Uh, they So the wastegate pipe they didn't get a chance to fix. So that's what ended up being a problem when they went out on that second loop. Melts through the power steering. So then he's, like, manhandling that car 
all the way through that second loop of all those stages, which are rough. And uh, I, I guess Menji Creek, probably not so bad, but uh, definitely uh, on those first two ones of Arvin and uh, Herman, uh, having to really, he said his arms are so sore. And then having to go all the way up and do the street stage back in Houghton. So, yeah, uh, very challenging uh, weekend for Barry McKenna. Just, uh, But the team really trying to come together and figure out what can they fix to keep that car going just so they can keep their place. Just one of the many challenges that you run into um, out there. But it's kind of interesting to watch those guys do that whole transmission swap right there in, in service. And uh Makes me wonder about, uh, you were saying earlier, Al, about uh, trying to do a transmission change back at home, and they don't have a crew of, you know, four guys trying to help, right? Well, it seemed like Barry was in, in really good spirits this weekend. Every time I seen him, he gave me a high five, and that was, that was cool. I think he's finally warming up to us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he was definitely in a good mood, you know. He was stressed a bit, you know, after what was going on with the car, but he was in a very, very good mood. No, I think... I think things are going real well for him and his team. I, I really like how he's helped. I mean, okay, technically he's a privateer, but he's on a whole other scale, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I think he brings a level of, a, a combination, I think, of a, a journeyman driver with the professionalism of a like a, uh, you know factory team kind of combined, which is kind of a unique place to be. Whereas Subaru's all straight manufacturer and super professional, he's kind of still got kind of the laid back, I'm, you know, a privateer, journeyman driver kind of thing, yet he's got a great outfit with really dedicated people, but they also kind of are laid back, have a lot of fun, and it's just, yeah, I think it's a great dynamic. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. So, so I've, I've, I wasn't there, and I've been listening to all this, and all I'm here, all we talk, seem to be talking about is people crashing and people having problems, and uh, so I'm, I'm wondering, was the, was the attrition rate any higher this year than the normal years? It wasn't. I, I, I thought it was high too, but. Um, I think there was 41 finishers out of 61 starters, so that brings you, you know, around your so 30. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, or maybe it's just that the, the it was bigger names like Higgins and Drew having problems drew your attention to it more than more than otherwise. Yeah, and that and the thing is, when with the rocks and stuff, <clears throat> you don't go fast enough to destroy cars. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Whereas show me or hundred acre wood when somebody has an off there, it's catastrophic. Um, and off at LSPR, you, you bend a control arm, you know, it's a 40 to $45 fix. All right. So, uh, what is your favorite stage out there of all those ones? Cause you know, they've ran those stages, the same roads several times over the years. Uh, do, do you have a favorite? The weirdest thing is my best performance is actually on the most boring stage. <laughs> is Estes Lake. I, I don't know why I always do well on Estes Lake. Um, as far as personality, nothing nothing ever beats Herman. It's just, it's a big, scary monster. Um, I know for the for the other rallyists, they're falling in love with Arvon. I don't know why I hate it. Like I said, that's got that pit run gravel. But I grew up on that stage. Um, that's where we do our bird hunting, our deer hunting. You go three miles an hour through that stage, you don't do 100. but that's an that's actually another good story was um a couple years ago we spoke um 
and it was when I had finished on the national podium with Ryan Millen, and I'd spoke about a corner on Arvon where it was a, a right three, but it was greasy, and Hooper went off there, and then the next running HPD went off there, and I was able to move up from ninth in two-wheel drive up to third. Well, this year, we uh, after I lost seven spots with that tire change, we were running that stage, and a uh, relatively new driver, Ryan George, out of uh, Bearded Rhino rally team, he, he was starting in front of me in a BMW M3, and I hollered up the pack, and just just being a, a good friend. He, we've been trying to help him a little bit and mentor him along, and he's getting up to speed pretty quickly, so I had to give him a hard time, and I hollered up and told him, run, run, we're coming. <laughs> and uh, so we ran that stage, and sure enough, a couple miles from the finish, I caught him, and it was getting into the slimy, nasty stuff. <laughs> Got probably a half mile from the finish, and sure enough, that left three that I always talk about got him, and he went straight and put her up in the tweeds, and I gently went in on the inside of him and kept on going. Next time we seen him at a control, he came up and talked to my co-driver, and he goes, yeah, yeah, I was just pulling over let you guys by. <laughs> <laughs> we were close enough. We seen him lock up his brakes and just keep sliding, so that was that was pretty fun. No damage, but all in good fun when you see a left three and a guy goes straight. Like, yeah, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I was gonna say from the ones I recied though, Menji Creek, that that was a that's got a great oh. stage. That second or the last like three miles of that, where you're going down the hill and you've just got left, right, left, right, just all synchronized turns that just you get a rhythm through there. That's probably that at race speed, just unbelievable. If you all ran that just that stage all weekend, I could. From mile four on, I could spend my entire weekend in there and be more than happy. Oh, my God. They actually did that in 2013. That was the year that they closed down the National Forests. So they ran Herman, uh, Mingy Creek, uh, Arvon, and Berga Plains. They ran, that was the entire rally. Not all the stuff down in Kenton wasn't available because it was National Forest. Wow. But I think they ran Mingy Creek six times <laughs> and they were running <laughs> uphill so it was nothing but ruts whereas this year we ran it downhill both times <laughs> luckily that was the one year that i boycotted <laughs> that the, the regional entry fee that year was i think a thousand and fifty dollars like oh, i think i'll skip this year Yikes. that was that was 2013 yeah they ran that stage six times Tedrick, uh, on Saturday, what was it like uh, shooting Saturday? Because, you know, the some of the leaves had blown away uh, already, but there's still some good colors out there. Uh, I mean, I spent all morning in uh, Mangy Creek, so I can't complain. It was amazing. Uh, the one thing, the one thing that threw me off. So on my way up, bef- just before I crossed into Michigan, uh, I actually. We talked about how expensive it was to fly into Houghton, so I flew into Minneapolis and drove up. Just before I got in, into Michigan, uh, I saw a black bear stumbling across the road. So here I am standing out by myself on Mangy Creek, just way up on a hill. And it turns out that a chipmunk, with <laughs> all those leaves on the ground, a chipmunk can make about the same amount of sound as anything else, and it will echo through that whole valley. <laughs> 
So I was freaking out. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. And I couldn't wait for the stars to start. Just get rid of that noise. (laughs) Obviously some good views in there. Uh, Great colors and stuff. Uh, I'm guessing you've got a shit ton of photos to go through. I got a fair amount, yeah. Uh, I'm making it through. I'm I'm not complaining each time I go through, though, because I... Yeah, it was fantastic. Nice. So after this, uh, the final run of uh, Mangy Creek, you guys start heading north up to Houghton for a street stage. That's a little bit unusual. We don't have a lot of street stages that are done in rallying. So uh, good old downtown Houghton there, uh, down, down by the, I guess, canal there uh, uh, on the waterfront. They closed down the roads and put up a bunch of barriers and whatnot and well it's only about what a half mile or something like that right but uh it's a good way to give a little show off to the fans but as we're getting ready for it no rain all weekend until (laughs) we start getting up there to houghton for the final stage it just starts dumping and there's nothing more sketchy than uh gravel tires on wet pavement downhill at 80 miles an hour <laughs> oh yeah, and did we mention there's concrete barriers? <laughs> yes, very very large immovable concrete barriers. <laughs> yeah, I was I was talking to one driver because uh, I believe those uh, barriers weren't there when you wrecked, right? Right. And so they they came down and uh, you know get to like the first turn and see the barriers and they're like, oh, those are concrete. We're gonna take this one easy. <laughs> Changed the whole attitude. Uh, they yeah. they had spray painted lines of where the barriers were going to be so people had a general idea where they're going to be but i don't think they had any idea whether they're going to be like hay bales or concrete (laughs) so well just ask pastrana that makes a little difference right yeah right (laughs) for sure um it was a pretty good crowd that came out down there but i think the the rain held off some of them but uh, it actually cleared up just before the stage ran which was kind of nice so we weren't in the pouring rain anymore but just beforehand it was just dumping down there but um was great to see though that that you had a street stage there to kind of finish it off you kind of run under a parking garage for the flying finish there so kind of an unusual place to uh have all the cars stack up but um it was also really kind of neat though because once the cars did finish they were all lined up underneath that parking garage there at the at the finish uh well tedrick you were there for the finish right yeah give us a description what it was like there (laughs) Hello. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm staring at a. Fo- I'm working on photos. Um, I figured you were having another one of those strong beers where you're like, I don't know anymore. I, I'm taking it a little easier this time. All right. I I was I thought it was weird right up until the point it was raining, and then I was very okay with it. So yeah, so that stage is done a little bit different. They run the cars like eighth on down. Uh, they, so they hold the top seven cars, run the cars eighth on down through normal running order, then they reverse the top seven. Does that sound about right? Yeah, that's what they did this year. Uh, previous years, they held the top ten. Um, when I had my Jetta previously, I don't know if they did it this year, but they actually broadcast it on the radio, which was pretty cool. We were sitting in the car li- listening to all the cars run. <laughs> But I don't know if they did that this year. We tried to do a live stream there, but uh, unfortunately the signal kept cutting out and whatnot, and we'd get started, and, and Jeremy would be like, Ugh, it, it failed again. And 
he was trying to use like his cell phone as like one of the other cameras because with the system they got they can like switch between multiple cameras so you, you have one camera going then you have the panning camera that's the actual camera guy and then you have another camera that can be like an iphone or something like that to kind of finish it so you can like switch between these different camera points one of the cameras he was using was a cell phone, which kept going off because the last stage of the rally and people like confirming it's like where podium's going to be and all that stuff totally messing up the whole thing. <laughs> so it was a little bit of a cluster, unfortunately, but uh, yeah, those things happen more to learn for next year. But what was also interesting though, was seeing, uh, uh, was it Peter Rizzo? What's his first name? Is it Pete? I believe so. And uh, he, now he's he's disabled, actually. He doesn't have the use of his legs. So he had hand controls uh, in that car. It's a Galant VR4, I think. Is that right? Uh, yeah. In. And special hand controls. Tim O'Neill. Yeah, Tim O'Neill had uh, uh, been part of that and uh, getting that design done. And I guess they had a flat tire that they found out just before entering the final, you know, th- that street stage. And, of course, there's a regroup there. And... In a regroup zone, if you try and change a tire, that's basically a park ferme. Yep. It is immediate DNF. So kind of frustrating for them. They had changed the tire, and you know because they, they needed to obviously a flat tire. If they changed it, be, if they noticed it on the transit and changed it before they got to the regroup zone, no problem. But you do it in the regroup zone, that's it. You're done. So they got to the finish, but they're technically a DNF. So uh, that's why that some people were wondering why they uh, ended up so high in the order. Cause when they started running those last few cars, you had like Fatella goes through. Then all of a sudden this slower car goes through. You're like, why did that go through? Wait, they were that fast. It's like, nah, they stopped and had to change their tire. So I guess that's what kind of messed up their order a bit. So um, frustrating though, you, you, you had your issue with the tire change and be careful uh, where you do it. Don't do it in the control zone, right? Yeah, actually, I got almost tackled by a volunteer last year <clears throat> um, because when you're leaving the Sidna service, there's a little regroup spot and a fuel spot, and I didn't need fuel because I'd f- fueled up at the gas station, so I just parked up next to the fueling, and then I went to open my hood to flip my headlights up, and the volunteer came running, do not open your hood. Because <laughs> if I opened my hood, <sighs> it would have been in illegal service and a 10-minute penalty. So it's like just something that simple. I've also had that happen, um, and luckily some smart co-drivers have stopped me. You know, Like when you have a stage, stage delay and it's backed up and you're get, getting checked in, but the cars are all backed up you know, for 20 minutes, you open your hood, it's a 10-minute penalty. So it's like, you know, it's all the little small things and a smart co-driver can use it how they want to use it. Get Mm -hmm. silly drivers, you know, ruin an entire rally over something simple if you're not paying attention. Yeah, that's why it's so it's so valuable to have experienced co-drivers farther down in the field that can, you know, uh, save you guys sometimes. Uh, You know, some conversation I had with Karen Jankowski, you know, when she's run farther back when she was... uh, with uh rob sanders when they were in the limited two-wheel drive car now they got you know they upgraded to the uh to the limited four-wheel drive car and the go speed uh new build that they just did and uh, so they're a little bit farther up the field but back when they're in the very back that was something she was be able to you know find drivers and co-drivers and be like be able to correct them it's like hey, hey 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 wait a wait a minute wait a minute <laughs> 
don't want to do that just yet. (laughs) And that that happened this weekend. She came up to me. She goes, Al, are we checking in? I said, no. You know, because the the far point or the TP Tower Transit. I was like, nope, you don't have to run up there. You're fine. She's like, but maybe you're lying to me. I'm like, no, I'm not lying to you. Everybody's fine. (laughs) Sure enough, all of a sudden, about 15 co-drivers said, Al's lying to us. We got to get up there. So they all, like I heard of 15 co-drivers ran up with their time cards and they all came back. Yeah, Al was right. We just got to line it up, line it back up and we'll go again. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. But that's a co-driver's job to check. Yep. That, that's exactly it. And, uh, you know, yep. that's again, why it's good to have uh, experienced ones uh, out there to, to, to help out for sure. Um, actually, that was another interesting thing is I noticed actually that, uh, so Rob Sanders' son, Ryan, was also out there competing. His first ever rally. Talk about a tough one to learn on. And uh, his son, Ryan, that was uh, with another experienced co-driver. I'm trying to remember his name now. Because I know I'd Jimmy? seen him out there. Who? <laughs> Jimmy Brandt. That's it. Yeah, Jimmy. He's been around a long time. So, again, getting that high experience in there with somebody that uh, doesn't know rallying all that well. So uh, that, that was pretty cool to see them. uh and it, they made it to the end. I mean, that's that's a big deal when it's your first rally. <laughs> Most definitely. That's that's one of the really cool things, which I don't think I'll ever be able to duplicate this year. It's been pretty awesome to do Namaji and and go help out at Snowdrift and Hundred Acre Wood and um, when we have Southern Ohio and Central UP and Ojibwe and LSPR and uh, it's been a great year. Right now, it's it's looking like Namaji is going to be a heck of a big rally compared to what we expected it to be. Right now, uh, Calvin Cooper is leading open two-wheel drive for the East Coast. Ooh. And then we have uh, Kevin Schmidt in second place with the other RX-7. And we have myself a couple points back, uh, Mike Cooper, and then Paul Johansson. And all five of those cars are capable of making it to, to Namaji. And that would be a winner-take-all event to wrap up the entire year. So, And what do we got? One, two, four out of five of them are rear-wheel drive. So yeah. That's pretty mm-hmm. cool. That's what I'm bracing for now. <laughs> well, definitely a good time to reflect on the season as a whole. Um Obviously, this being the last of the national rounds, like you said, you got Namaji coming up. Just because you got kind of Namaji twice for uh, the season, because last year Namaji came on to ARA, and and to get them on ARA, they had to be part of the 2019 season, right? Even though it was in 2018 that they ran. Yep. Yep. So you get kind of a double hit of Namaji mm-hmm. uh, for points, which uh, <clears throat> can be a good thing. But um, but yeah, I, I think it's been a hell of a year for for rallying overall. Um, obviously, we have Higgins and Drew end up with their with, with their tenth win, or, uh, or Higgins tenth win, and Craig's uh, eighth. McKenna sealed second overall, and Oliver was able to get third uh, overall himself. Uh, so that was pretty good. Felt bad for Fatella though; he's fought so hard all season long, and for him to get fourth, the overall for the national championship, that kind of fits though, because it's like he kept finishing fourth and fourth. And fourth, and fourth in every event he was in. So it was like, you know, that really he's the top budget privateer to, to some extent, I guess you could say. So uh, it was awesome to see his team and so many fans out there. Boy, Fatella's got a huge following when it comes out to uh, that event at LSPR. Yeah. 
they they've been known to take over expose. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't see you, there was one time that they had a sixteen foot flag. It was about sixteen feet wide and about eight feet tall, and they marched it right through Lawrence. Oh, wow. that's great! <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, he's, he's he's got such an energy, and you know he he brings out some of the excitement and fun that you see. Kind of like you know all the Estonian Oit Tanak fans you see in the WRC is like Peter Fatella's you know Polish fans that are in the states, and it's just really cool to see that. So at the end of the rally, we had the the banquet that's for all of the volunteers and whatnot that was at the uh, i guess it's back there at michigan tech right they do an award ceremony for all you guys that are getting the regional awards and uh, they wanted me to mention some stuff about all the national championship stuff and whatnot they didn't have any actual trophies to give out yet because apparently they're shipped to the wrong place um they went actually to jeremy's house instead of being sent to the actual rally which was odd anyway those are good sent out to everybody for that but as I was kind of concluding with my stuff, all of a sudden we have Petter Solberg and Lance Smith and... Botham and Higgins. Yeah, they all come walking up to, to, to the podium area there and, and grab a microphone and start talking about what rallying in the U.S. was like, you know, the, how important it was, the, the way the season ended, and how awesome rallying is in the States. And, and how was that for you to hear from Petter Solberg, a world champion about how impressed he was with the rallies he's been able to experience out here? That was, that was really cool. I know for a lot of volunteers and early teams starting out, that's probably something they'll never forget. Um, I was sitting there waiting, go, waiting for the punchline and the punchline never came. And I'm like, well, okay, what was that all about? But, um, Probably my memory of the rally that I, I could probably never tell to anybody else except for you three guys. <laughs> and nobody's listened to this, so that's okay. <laughs> yeah, so don't, don't tell anybody. But uh, yeah, with Petter in the U.S. this year, it's you know we grow up with Colin McRae um, on video games, and everybody drives Petter's car on on the, on the video game. And <clears throat> it's just I've been you know hair on fire all year. I haven't been over. To, to do the fanboy thing with Petter. I haven't shook his hand. I haven't had a picture with him. I haven't even said hi to him. And uh, so we did the banquet and all that and got the team together and we headed downtown to the club. <clears throat> and we're at the club and we're relaxing and I'm leaning on the wall and uh, in comes Petter and he walks by and walks in front of everybody and walks by me and he heads up the stairs and all of a sudden I see he takes two steps back down and he comes back, looks me square in the eye, points at me and he goes, you're killing it out there. And then he just turned and he walked away and I went, wow. (laughs) And I had a rookie uh, uh, crew chief helping for, he was standing by me, uh, Joel Crumbach was with me and I'm like, did did, did you guys at least see that? (laughs) (laughs) And I didn't shake his hand, and I didn't get a selfie, and it's just like, wow. <laughs> and it's, you know, I, what do you do when somebody says something like that? You know, one of the best rally drivers in the world history, and he, he well, that was the other fun thing was I wore a Hawaiian shirt because I, I, uh, I took my wife out shopping, and I got her a whole new wardrobe, and there was a $2 clearance shirt, and I said, I know exactly where I'm going to wear this, so I scooped up this ugly shirt and wore it out for the night. So I'm glad. <laughs> that was really cool. I, I can retire now. 
<laughs> you know, his speech was was definitely something special, and and it went on for a while. I mean, he was just talking about how you know he thinks that there's a lot of opportunity for growth and rallying in the states. Uh, he was really impressed with what he saw. Yeah, it, just just a lot of positive words. Um, Lance Smith, when he came up, you know, head of uh, Vermont Sports Car, he basically said that he wants to put all his energy in supporting rallying as a whole. You know, I, I think we're in a pretty good place right now. If we can get support of, you know, the likes of a, of a Petter Solberg and, you know, Barry McKenna, what he's injected into it. He, he's actually funded a lot of stuff that people don't see behind the scenes. And obviously with Subaru's help and things like that, I mean, I, I think we could see some pretty cool things happen going forward. And uh, I'm excited. I'm excited. I think it's been a year of transition again, right? As ARA's uh, gotten together all these events again that, that were kind of separated. But I think we're, now that we're together, this growth can really hit that next stage, right? It can definitely go that next level above instead of just trying to figure things out. It's like, okay, now we're together. Now let's find a way to, to, to go up another level. You know what I mean? I think that's really cool that the, the calendar was out early. Um, nobody has any, any excuses now, you know, line them up, send mm -hmm. your best in the world. You know, we're ready. Let's go play. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, oh, and John Buffum did an awesome thing, by the way. He came up to me when uh, those guys were, were talking. He kind of pulled me aside. He's like, hey, Mike, he's like, one thing we used to do a long time ago, he's like, we used to have uh, the folks out in the audience there, because there's quite there's what, a good couple hundred people, I think, uh, up there in that banquet. And he's like, have the different folks uh, stand up from different eras of rallying and then as you know, you go farther back, have them sit down. So it's like, okay, who here has rallied in, you know, 2010s uh, on, you know, or yeah, from 2010 on back, right? Uh, all stand up. And so, you know, there's a good, what, 50 people stand up. And then you say, okay, who here has rallied from, you know, 1990s on back, right? From 1999 on back. And you see, uh, obviously, about 15 people sit down. Then you say, who's rallied from the 80s on back? And you see, you know, a good bunch of people sit down. But yet there's still another, like, 10 still standing up there from the 80s. Who has rallied from, you know, the 70s on back? And there's still another, I think, seven people or something, seven or eight people are still standing up. Yeah. And they wanted to keep going. Exactly. It was great. Just there. I mean, that, that just shows how long these folks have been just committed to the sport and always wanting to give back. And even if they're not driving now, they're part of the volunteer teams, uh, the, the the organizing teams, you know, whatever. And it, it was just really freaking cool to see that. And uh, that's something I definitely want to try and do at, at other events uh, if I'm part of like that, you know, volunteer banquet thing, because that that really showed just how how embedded rallying is right once, once people are, are are bit by that bug it just stays and that's a, that's another goal that i've always had was getting that <clears throat> the banquets back like that where you have the regional guys and the national guys all in the same place 
celebrating mm-hmm. at the end of the rally. You know, that's huge. I, I agree. And uh, in, in the podium thing, um, you know, at other events, you, well, you saw it at Ojibwe, you know, instead of you guys getting your awards at a separate banquet thing, um, having you guys get your awards on the same podium. Mm-hmm. I think oh. that's really cool. You know, they didn't do that at this one. But, uh, you know, I, I, I'm I'm liking it when we do the regional awards on the same podium that the national guys do. They shouldn't have to be separate. Well, you're not going to get any arguments from me having stood on that same podium. I mean, that is, it is phenomenally cool to stand on a, to stand on a proper podium. Yeah. It's a little narrow. Mm-hmm. I'll admit they need to yeah, make no. the boxes a little bigger. Yeah. They need but to make the boxes a little bigger. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, that's going to, that's going to be one of those things I'll remember until my, until, until my dying day being, you know, being stood on, on a podium, on a proper racing podium i mean that is yeah that was that was really cool and if anybody's seen the picture of me at um at ojibwe i have got the stupidest huge grin on my face because <laughs> i'm just like so pleased to be stood on stood on a podium i mean it's it's great any other reflections on the 2019 season al um no it's been a uh it was pretty much i had to do it um, just a matter of case of burnout. I've been running the same five rallies for six or seven years and to get out and see hundred acre wood roads, see the Southern Ohio roads, and then be able to wrap it up, bringing it back home at Ojibwe and, and LSPR. It's been an amazing year, you know? Awesome. It's always a battle. And I'm going to go cross-training, and I'm going to do my damnedest to win this freaking championship against this other guy, Kevin, in an RX-7. I don't know who he thinks he is, but (laughs) (laughs) we're going to have a throwdown in in Namaji. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. We look forward to hearing how that goes. 2020 speculations, though. Uh, One thing is uh, the way that it was said, how David was saying, you know, thank you to everybody and all that stuff. Do we think that uh, Subaru and or Higgins is done for 2020? Well, you you couldn't blame him, could you? I mean, if he did decide not to not to uh, compete, I mean, he's won the well, he's got nothing to prove. He's won the title ten times, and let's face it, he's not driven he's not driven in England on home soil, on his home soil for like five years, has he? He must short every time. Wales Rally GB comes up. You know, he must sort of like he must feel like he'd really like to be out there doing that. Uh, I don't know. You'd have to ask him, Mike. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it would, it'd be nice for him, nice for him to compete at home because he's pretty popular, a bit popular in the UK as well. So you know, it would be. I think that that would be fun for him. You know, he's he's got he's got got a family as well. So I mean spend more time with the family and everything but uh, uh with 10 wins he's got he's got nothing to prove and uh it, you know at some point we've got to bring on the next generation and put the next generation of talent in good cars if subaru cars if if if, if necessary you know so uh subaru have got to, got to bring on american talent in in their vehicles because that would be another step forward for for rally to get american drivers in the works in the in america's main works team you know so i actually heard one worse than that i heard it's probably going to be his last rally ever 
Oh, whoa! My teammate Eric Carlson. He was he, he retired at the banquet. Um, he's been rallying for thirty three years, and I always have my superstition of taking a selfie with the team next to us as we start the very last stage. And that's when he announced that he was, that was his last rally. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I guess he spoke with Higgins and Higgins also said that was his last rally. Eric Carlson was telling me that uh, he's the one that was telling me that they were old wheel drive instead of all wheel drive. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he is a talker. <laughs> he is a talker, but uh, he's going to give back. You know, his goal is to get back, get into the organizing side of things and actually get on with uh, maybe ARA as a whole and uh, help out. And so that's exciting to see, again, a former competitor be able to help out uh, at that level. So um, somebody with experience. But, but yeah, uh, I can see that with David because... You know, his son has been doing a lot in motorsports now, you know, doing the go-karting thing and becoming more competitive. And here his dad's out at an event trying to leave as early as he can so he can catch the next flight out, you know, to go all the way across the pond to get home and and watch his son race. And it's a challenge. It really is. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he, he has nothing left to prove, as you said there, Ian. But end of an era for sure, then. Um, as far as who would drive next, though, that's the big question. What what would Subaru do in that situation? Um, they've got, of course, mostly actually rally drivers other than Scott Speed that are in the ARX cars, America's Rallycross stuff. So I guess they could bring some of them over for select events. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see David maybe doing select events as well. But if he said that's it, then I... I wouldn't put it past him that this was his last one, for sure. You guys seen my selfie with Lance, right? I missed the I'm selfie not, with I Lance. I missed that one. I'm not dropping any hints or anything, but it, it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> it, like I said, I guess the, the, the speculation side of things, like would Subaru maybe try and do like Canada did, where it's like, well... Maybe we forego the factory stuff and maybe run just one car, maybe among, you know, varying drivers and put more of our financial efforts into increasing the uh, contingency or something like that. So it's always a lot of possibilities out there for sure. But I don't know. I've heard heard mumblings they might have signed one driver already. Oh. Oh. Hmm. I haven't heard any names, but I heard there is one that's been signed already. Well, mm. you know, if if there's anything that we've seen lately, it's the fact that, you know, after Oliver coming here, is that there's interest in coming to the States. You can learn things. Um, those cars that Subaru has, if you want to go to that next level in a world championship you could have a foreign driver drive those and they would find that they're going to get skills that they need to go to that next level. So maybe that's a a good option for them uh, versus some of the other options out there. And that'd be kind of cool. I mean, I'm okay. I'm totally okay with seeing global talent coming here. Yeah. We've seen with McKenna bringing over so many Irish guys and you know, who knows what else we'll see. That actually brings me back to a note I put in here of uh, somebody I met at the rally, which was really interesting. Um, I ran into a Finnish guy 
that his name sounded loosely familiar. And as I got to talk, started to talk to him, he's one of, uh, gosh, how many people? Two, <laughs> I think, that own a 2017 era, now 2019, a 2019 M Sport Ford Fiesta WRC car, the new current WRC car. He owns one. Oh. His name is oh. Yana Tohino. And I probably pronounced that wrong. He has rented out that car. You know, he's got a team. Um, the car has been rented out to other drivers before in the past uh, at select events. People that can afford it. And he came out to this rally. He heard about it. He was uh, in the area. So, um, I, I, so I'm talking to him and he's, you know, seeing what American rallying is about. Obviously, the Solberg effect is a thing. It really is a thing. It draws eyes from all over the world. And he was think, trying to figure out if he gets someone to, uh, you know, rent his car to run it at, say, Mexico, how much would it cost to just tow the car across the border up in the States and run at least one event up here? And he was dead serious about doing it. Oh. Yeah. A uh, top-level WRC car running in the states. Uh, how soon do I need to book my tickets? Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I was just like chin on the floor. Uh, that I would love to see it happen. I mean, it wasn't that he was going to do a whole championship. Um, if you look at his history on uh, EWRC and whatnot, he's done select events himself. Uh, so it would be one that he'd be running. Um, he just, you know, goes out and does it for enjoyment. Uh, but dang, <laughs> how much, how, how much would we love to see? Oh, that would be incredible. That kind of car out here. And would, would he need a co-driver? <laughs> <laughs> how fast can you read notes? <laughs> uh, but yeah, great stuff. And like I said, just showing the interest and who knows what next year brings. I think it's a bright future coming up, though. And boy, let's bring it on. Hope you do well at uh, Namaji there, uh, Al. Um, the whole Tower City race team, are they going to be all out there in, in full force like uh, you? Or some of them going to lick their wounds and repair things and just uh, get things buttoned up for next year? Well, we'll see. After Adam's valiant uh, transmission change that Friday night, he ended up going out on the on Arvon. He ended up uh, puncturing his oil pan again and losing another motor. So that's two engines in a row. So we'll see if he's ready for Namaji. Um, he has nothing to gain there, but who knows? Uh, never know there. Um, Elwood, we're still trying to scrape him back together and and get him excited about rally again. It's, it really hurt it hurt his pride to wreck his car. So I got to explain to him that it happens. And if you're going to get faster, it's going to happen more often. So, you know, you got to suck it up and press on regardless. There you go. Yeah, yep. So Ian, uh, you had a couple other things you wanted to say as we uh, close out this, uh, podcast. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Did, uh, we do have, um the um canadians listen to this show and have taken part in this show and a couple of hours ago 
The uh, 2020 Canadian Rally Championship calendar was announced, and uh, I've got that here if you're interested. You might be, some of us might be able to, some of you, like Al, might be able to make a trip up to Canada for, for a rally. That would be a change of scenery for you. So we've got Pursnier, that's January the 31st and February the 1st. Then there's Rocky Mountain Rally in May, that's May 22nd to the 24th. And then Bay de Chaleur, that's uh, June 26th, 28th. Uh, Rally Defi, that's September the 10th to the 12th. PFR, Pacific Forest Rally, that's October the 1st to the 3rd. And then Rally du Chalva, that's uh, October the 22nd to the 24th. Uh, Tall Pines is November 20th to 21st. And Big White, December 4th through the 6th. All right, cause, so similar to uh, previous years. I think Charlevoix would be new to the national calendar. I think pre- it, it may have been years past, but I don't believe it was within the last five years. I don't think Charlevoix was part of the national calendar. So oh, where's that one uh, run at? Uh, La, La Malle Bay, Quebec. Ah, it's Quebec, okay. It, you know, it's it's hard. You know, these events, uh, the their country... As far as trying to travel east-west, it's just as hard as doing events uh, here for for the U.S. So uh, definitely a big challenge to get to all of those. But I hope that uh, we'll have some more teams that can make the tow because I think that's one of the challenges they've had. They've uh, had folks kind of stick around regionally. And we want to see definitely more teams go back and forth all the way across the country if they can help it. Uh, just never an easy thing to do for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Oh, you also yes, mentioned the note Mike, of the sure. uh, I'm gonna motorsports challenge. Yes, if anybody nominates you, and I'm I'm really looking at you, Mike Shaw, because I I nominated you two or three weeks ago on this one. So, uh, so it's the um the ten motorsport picture thing that uh, is doing the rounds on Facebook. You know, if you haven't done it yet, do it. If somebody's nominated you and you haven't done it, do it. I mean. It's just 10 pictures that mean something to you in motorsport. I mean, not necessarily rally. You know, I had I had a great deal of fun with it. I mean, I had like uh, I posted pictures from Goodwood, which you would expect from me. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, duh. Yeah. And and then I, f- I found this picture and Owl, Owl will get this one. I got I found this picture of a uh, shredded tire, a wheel which had no tire on it from Ojibwe about four or five years ago when I was running with, with Adam Van Dam. Yeah, and it, it, it's, just, it's just the picture and the memory that's associated with it. So just find those pictures, Mike. Ten pictures, that's all you need. Yeah, but, I, you know, the ones that mean something, I'm going to have to dig up some stuff from history and whatnot. So I got I, my stuff isn't as organized. I've got, <laughs> I've got some searching to do. So there was no way I could jump on that having been just to a rally and... Uh, all the stuff that goes along with taking the time off and whatnot from work. So oh, I will get to it. Man. I promise. Yeah, yeah. We'll. I'm still trying to find my MySpace login. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great, great. All right. I think that's it. Uh, I think we're all getting either drunk and or tired because you know <laughs> it's been rally week uh, last weekend and we're still recovering. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the show. Remember, give us a like, give us a follow, uh, give us a comment. All that stuff definitely helps out. And uh, even better, 
tell a friend, get them to listen too, because we always appreciate that. Uh, definitely helps our numbers. So, as always, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Mike Shaw, and remember to keep it shiny side up and don't cut. Mm-hmm.